and welcome to another MLEX podcast. I'm Laurel Henning, a Sydney-based senior reporter for MLEX, and it's great to have your company. This is a special edition of MLEX's usual weekly podcast to accompany a rather special report put together by seven of our reporters in London, Brussels and Berlin. The special report, titled Is the GDPR Doing Its Job?, takes a deep dive into Europe's flagship privacy law since its introduction a little more than four years ago. The General Data Protection Regulation is often quoted as a global standard for privacy law when regulators around the world consider national measures. But is it working? That's exactly the question I'll be putting to my colleagues Matthew Newman, Sam Clark and Nicholas Wallace, just three of the report's many authors in just a moment. We'll discuss why Spain has issued 474 privacy penalties compared to Estonia and Slovenia, which have issued none. And for the real legal nerds listening, which articles of the GDPR are the subject of the most violations? Now, uh, this report has some great facts and figures peppered throughout, so let's start with some of those main findings and trends. What uh, statistical nuggets can you offer our listeners, Matthew, in terms of big themes and sectors that are being targeted most, perhaps? Yeah, I think one of the important things to note is that uh, GDPR has been criticized a lot uh, as not having uh, sharp enough teeth. And what we've seen in this report is that over the years, uh, the enforcement has ramped up significantly. So we've started out with a small number of fines, and then the data protection authorities really started uh, ramping up their uh, their enforcement with um, just the, the number, the sheer number of fines has gone up. So um, I would, in 2021, there was 538 fines uh, total. And this year, we're on track uh, to at least match that and perhaps even exceed it. It's uh, 289 fines for the first half of 2022. So that's uh, a pretty good record so far. The, the amount of fines is also increasing, uh, and it's been, it was quite impressive in 2021. 1.07 billion euros of total fines levied in 2021, uh, and that's that's pretty impressive. Uh, this year, it's um, it's 130 million euros, so not not quite uh, anywhere near that. But what we have seen is that uh, a couple of big fines can skew those numbers. So in 2021, we had massive fines against big tech companies. So that was Amazon. Uh, for 746 million euros in in uh, in Luxembourg, and also we had uh, WhatsApp, which was also fined um, 225 million euros. Uh, so yeah, as you can see, those two fines together made up the the vast bulk of of 2021's figures. Um, this year, uh, we didn't count this in our in our total uh, amount, but it's. Uh, it's likely to have a, a skewing effect. It's 405 million euros against Instagram, and that was announced on September 5th. That was the Irish Data Protection Commission fine against Instagram. Um, so once we include that, I think 2022 is going to be quite a, a bumper year for fines. Okay, and big tech's obviously a focus. So is there a trend for enforcement against big tech more broadly? Yeah, so big tech uh, has been... Um, the the, the 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 
public perception of GDPR is, is really focused on on WhatsApp and TikTok and Google, Facebook. Um, and I think that's part of the frustration is that people haven't seen those fines yet. And now um, we are. And uh, I think that's what uh, is giving a little bit of a credibility push for the GDPR. Um, this has a lot to do with um, the, the fact that GDPR was new. It went into effect in 2018. And the the Irish Data Protection Authority uh, is responsible for all these companies because they have their main establishment in Dublin. Uh, and a lot of the complaints were dealing with consent. So users consent on uh, particularly for behavioral advertising. Um, and that's where big tech has been tripping up the most. Um, they, it, starting in um, in, in uh, the very first fine against Google in, by the Keneal uh, was about um, you know, whether or not uh, the users were given adequate information about uh, the, the kind of data that was being collected. And that's been the, the main theme so far. Um, are users given the proper information to give uh, proper consent for their data to be collected? And that underpins a lot of these, these fines. Thanks, Matthew. Let's bring in some of our other colleagues now. Sam, I think this will be a question for you. Uh, which specific parts of the GDPR system seem to be the biggest enforcement uh, areas so far? Yeah, hi. Um, so this is, is kind of a technical one, um, but I think it's important because it, it sort of explains really how the GDPR works in terms of enforcement, in terms of what companies need to do and in terms of what regulators uh, sort of look for and what they how they approach things. Our data showed that the most common uh, article cited in enforcement uh, by far is Article 5. And, and that's kind of, it's almost a, seen as a sort of master provision because it, it basically lays out the fundamental principles of the law. Um, it says that organisations should process data lawfully, fairly, transparently. They should limit the purposes for, for which they use people's data. They should keep the amount of data they use to a minimum. Data should be accurate, all that kind of thing. And then kind of the way it seems to work is that a lot of these principles are then sort of developed, laid out in more detail in other articles of the law. So uh, the second most commonly cited provision in enforcement was Article 6, uh, which says that data must be processed lawfully. So that was in Article 5 in, in the fundamental principles and then in more detail in Article 6. The third most popular was Article 32, which is about uh data security, basically. And what experts told us, uh, we spoke to regulators and lawyers and other experts, is that this all makes sense, basically. It kind of stands to reason. The regulators said that Article 5 is, is actually, it makes sense because it's it's almost an easy one for them to pin on companies. Not not they're trying to cut corners or anything, but they have to find a way to make these fines stick. And sort of going to the fundamental principles is a, is a good way to do that. Article 6, which is about lawful processing, uh, that really is a question of which legal basis you should use. Um, I've spoken about it on this podcast before, and it's something we write a lot of stories about, and it's something we know companies struggle with. You know, should you use consent? Should you rely on legitimate interests? Should you rely on the performance of a contract legal basis? It's it's kind of difficult and legalistic and technical. And then the third most popular one, data security, we kind of all know that that is just tricky for companies right Get, getting things right stopping data breaches human error all that kind of thing that that's been a thing for a long time and it's it's not really surprising that's um 
common. Uh, kind of looking to the future, I was told that uh, Article 5 is probably not going to get any less common, kind of for the reasons that I've already said, which is that, you know, it's the fundamental. The data security provision might get less common, uh, experts said, um, because companies are basically getting a bit better at that. There's more awareness of it, um, maybe a bit less human error, that kind of thing. Um, And then people said that we should look to see more enforcement on data transfers and data protection impact assessments uh, in the future. Those are two things they they think we're going to see more of as we go forward. Okay, thanks for that uh, legalese sort of uh, focus (laughs) there, Sam. Um, I just want to go zoom out a little bit again and go back to some comments that were made at the a bit earlier in our discussion about enforcement in Ireland. Uh, one of the articles in the report uh, that we've put out looks at the concentration of enforcement in Ireland as a result of the GDPR's one-stop shop system. Don't say that too fast. How exactly has that come about? Has there been any sort of work around to this system by any data protection authorities in Europe? Yeah, I think that the one-stop shop system has been a big focus of concern. Um, And there was a conference back in June uh, with leading data uh, protection authorities. The European Data Protection Supervisor hosted it. And they're really wondering whether or not the system is really built for um, purpose. And so just to... um, to, to describe it in, in very simple terms, um, one-stop system is um, focusing the enforcement in the country where the company is based. So it's a it was a great trade-off uh, when GDPR was announced uh, back in 2012. Um, the company said, "Oh, we don't want to face the enforcement from 27 different um, authorities, and we'll just have one authority where we're based." handle it. Well, that all sounds great in theory, but in practice, it's meant that the um, a relatively small uh, country, Ireland, has been responsible for GDPR enforcement of the biggest companies uh, in, in the world, uh, in, in big tech. So what's happened with that is um, a problem with resources, a problem with uh, getting actual number of people working on these cases, and also uh, funding Uh, to the authority. Uh, Those are things that are being tackled right now. Uh, Sam has written a lot about how the authority is being uh, revamped. Uh, Right now they're going to add two new commissioners to uh, Helen Dixon, who's the the current leader of the authority. And we've also seen, as as I described, um, some big fines against uh, big tech. So we had WhatsApp to start out with, and then we had Instagram just announced uh, uh, in September, so the um, the big criticism has um, is, it might have lost its uh, its edge uh, in the last couple of uh, months, um, but it's still there, uh, and people are wondering whether or not this is the right way to go about things. So some authorities um, are are plowing ahead and doing other things than just using the one stop shop. And the, the, the best example of that is the French authority, and that's the CNIL. Um, so the CNIL, uh, which is interesting, is, is like if you look back at the history of GDPR enforcement, Google was the first to face the wrath of the CNIL uh, back in um, January 2019 with a 50 million 
you're all fine. And that was because Google hadn't done ticked all the right boxes to have its main establishment in Ireland. So that that was kind of a technical thing, but it, it hurt because uh, it was it was the first fine against big tech. Um, you know, speed seeding forward, um, we we've seen a lot of uh, problems with um, what we call ad tech and uh, cookies. So in Europe, we have these cookie banners. Uh, everyone is extremely annoyed with them. You you go around the internet and you're just sort of confronted with one banner after another to go on any website. And so the Keneal has said, you know, enough is enough. We want to make this a lot um, easier for consumers to, to, to surf the web. And they said, um, we, uh, the Keneal can enforce the, um, the cookie banners because it's under a separate legislation. So <laughs> this is where the EU is quite funny. Uh, so the e-privacy directive, which was passed uh, more than 20 years ago and updated um, back in 2011 uh, to deal with cookies, is actually um, not of, uh, part of this whole one-stop shop system. So any authority can go after big tech. And that's exactly what happened with, um, with the French. And they've levied some really big fines against companies, 150 million euros against uh, Google, uh, fines against um, Amazon as well, 35 million. Um, so we really see that it's not just the GDPR that companies should worry about, it's also the e-privacy directive, and, and that's from the Keneal. So a few different tools in the toolbox there. Um, we know that regulation without enforcement is worthless and regulators often complain the world over about a lack of funding. Uh, and you've reported on this, Sam. Is that the case here with the GDPR? Uh, short answer is yes, it is. Um, <laughs> this has been part of the story of the GDPR since probably before it was passed. Um, regulators are saying they don't have enough money to do their jobs. Uh, and as you say, that's pr probably definitely not uh, just a GDPR thing. A lot of EU data protection authorities' uh, budgets have, have risen fairly significantly in the last few years, but they still say it isn't enough. Um, there was a, a survey by the European Data Protection Board, the umbrella body of EU data regulators, in which they asked the members, do they have enough money? Do they have enough staff? Uh, on the money question, 23 of 30 said no. On the staff question, 26 of 30 said no. Um, and I have met and spoken to some people from the, the smaller data regulators, um, and they really kind of do stress that it's a it's a shoestring operation. Um, Matthew then mentioned the uh, the Irish Data Protection Commission, and a kind of interesting, maybe slightly unexpected result from this European Data Protection Board survey is that the Irish regulators said yes, they do have enough money and they do have enough staff, and we know from what Matthew has just said that it's it's the home of big tech, big ticket GDPR enforcement. And it has been the subject of criticism about its enforcement track record. And in the past, there has been some talk about maybe that's in large part because it's too small, doesn't have enough money. And as with the its enforcement track record, I think that's changing. So Helen Dixon, the, the head of the authority, she had previously asked for more money. But then when, when she's got the budget, she's basically said she's OK with it. Um, she kind of accepts that there are domestic budget constraints and she's she's kind of keen to just crack on. We don't know exactly why the Irish say they're happy with their budget when other regulators with larger budgets aren't happy. Uh, but my kind of working theory is that um, it kind of fits in with the, the narrative that Helen Dixon has been trying to put out there, which is that 
essentially nothing is wrong as such. Uh, it's just that these things take time. She's always said she works in a very methodical way and she's just said people need to be patient, essentially. These are massive investigations into some of the world's biggest companies in a new area of law that will inevitably take time. Um, it's not a case of they don't have enough money to do what they need to do. It's just that it takes a while to get there. Um, and uh, as, we've, as we've just discussed, that seems to be sort of paying dividends. The, t- the tide is turning, Irish enforcement is happening, like the Instagram case, and there's lots more on the way. And I think her, her view on budget fits into that. Uh, nothing is wrong necessarily, it just, things take time. I just want to um, jump in with just a, a quick comment about the difference between the Irish DPC and the other authorities. So Ireland is based on common law, system and the rest of um, Europe is based on administrative law. So administrative law, um, you have just the authority that decides. Uh, There's internal um, processes that go on. Uh, It could be like a two-stage process where there's an investigation and then um, a college within the authority decides. But basically this all happens within one organization. So it's a bit more streamlined and that's why uh, you can have decisions come out much faster uh, on the continent, so that that's the case with the Keneal. And in Ireland, um, what what's, what that happens is that they've got to face judges. So if there's uh, an appeal, they'd have to go to court, and everything has to be watertight and, and be able to meet a very high legal standard to be upheld. And I think that's what Helen Dixon is referring to when she's being like careful and methodical, because everything is new. And if she... Uh, or the authority uh, doesn't get this right at the very beginning, then it's really uh, quite dramatic for her because then she'll have decisions overturned left left and right, and that's really what she wants to avoid. So in the enforcement tracker, obviously we're talking about Ireland. Ireland is at one end of this scale of enforcement, along with Spain, I think, looking at this report. Uh, right at the other end of this, of this scale of countries uh, sits Estonia, among a few others. Uh, why is this? Are regulators asleep on the job? What's happening here? Nick, let's bring you into this conversation. They're not asleep on the job, but the Estonian Data Protection Inspectorate, the AKI, it is limited in what it can do under Estonian law. Um, the, the main limitation is that in Estonia, the only uh, institutions that can impose punitive fines are criminal courts handing down a sentence after a guilty verdict. Now, of course, in principle, that doesn't mean that doesn't stop the AKI from bringing criminal charges under the GDPR. They can do that. The problem is when bringing charges against a company. Uh, proving the case is pretty complicated because in addition to proving wrongdoing beyond reasonable doubt, uh, you also have to find an individual in the company who is responsible for the breach and who you can prove was acting on behalf of the company leadership, i.e. not a rogue employee who was you know, who had an axe to grind against his boss or something. You have to pinpoint both an individual and you have to tie that individual to the company. Um, so it's, it's a very complicated thing to prove where companies are involved. So what the AKI normally does instead is they use what are called non-compliance levies, which on paper look like fines, but in practice they're not. Um, this is basically where the AKI will say, we believe that you've breached the GDPR 
And if you don't comply, you have to pay us this amount of money. But what uh, Phil Alehis, the, the head of the AKI, told me was in, in practice, those, those, those levies never get paid because she said, even if you have a, a, an ostensible deadline for compliance to, to occur, if the company complies at some point further down the line, even if it's late, the levy doesn't apply. If they comply partially with some of what you ask them to do, but not all of it, the levy doesn't apply and there would have to be a new order. So in, it's not that there are no enforcement actions by the AKI, but they don't result in fines. Um, and and Leith has told me that only now is the AKI working on its first uh, criminal case against uh, a company. Um, she didn't give me any details. She just told me that it involved health data and that she, they felt that the case was so egregious and the evidence was so strong that they were confident that they could secure a conviction. Something else that, that she told me was that uh, this is not an accident. This is not sort of a weird quirk of the Estonian legal system. It's actually intentional. She said that about a decade ago, Estonian politicians decided that the job of state enforcers, like the AKI and others, like the Competition Authority, for example, should be to bring companies and people into compliance with the law, but not to punish them for breaking it, that that, that should be the job of, of the courts. Now, there is some movement on that now. There is a push in Estonia to give the Competition Authority the power to issue administrative fines, um, which is how it works in most of the EU countries. But uh, there's still nothing on the table yet for, for data protection. So that's why the tracker doesn't show any fines in, in Estonia. It's not that nothing's happening um, and it's not the, that the AKI aren't doing anything. It's just that they can't issue fines. And, and I should say that they're quite vocal about this and they're not happy about it. You know, if, if you go back and read some of the AKI's annual reports from most data protection authorities, these are quite bland documents. Whereas in Estonia, they're, they're written in quite colourful language <laughs> um, because they're, they're quite frustrated um, about the, the limitations in place. And, and Fiat Lehis says publicly that, that she thinks the law should, should be changed. OK. And then as in Estonia, Danish law also doesn't have uh, or doesn't allow for administrative fines. But we do have uh, some data for Denmark. Is that right? So what makes Denmark different from Estonia? Uh, it's the legal process is a little bit different. So... Denmark, like Estonia, uh, Danish law does not allow administrative fines. Um, so as in Estonia, if in order to, to issue a fine, you need a criminal conviction in court. The difference is bringing a criminal case against a company as opposed to an individual is just much more straightforward. Um, you don't need to prove wrongdoing by an individual and then tie that to the company. It's sufficient to prove that the company broke the law as, as, a, as a distinct legal entity. Now, obviously, that means that the, the Danish Data Protection Agency uh, still has to prove the case beyond all reasonable doubt, which is a much higher standard than their counterparts in most of the, Euro most of the European countries have to meet. But uh, they do it. And um, it's a process that usually involves the police. When uh, the DPA feels as though it has a case that's ready, it, it refers that to the police, and then from the police it goes to the prosecution service. Um, cases can also come from the police as well, actually, if, an, if a Danish citizen wants to bring a GDPR complaint. Uh, the most obvious place to go is the DPA, but they don't have to. They can, they can bring it straight to the police, um, and then the police can ask for the DPA's uh, help if they need it. 
There is so much in this report and I think we could continue discussing it for hours but our editors wouldn't thank us. So Matthew, Sam and Nick, thank you for discussing it with me today. It has a wealth of coverage for our readers. Thanks for chatting. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks very much. That was MLEC's Chief Correspondent Matthew Newman, Correspondent Sam Clark and reporter Nicholas Wallace, three members of our data privacy and security team who are based in Europe. And you can find the special report discussed in today's podcast, Is the GDPR Doing Its Job?, at mlexmarketinsight.com. That's M-L-E-X marketinsight.com. You should see a banner for it right on the front page, or you can click on the News Hub tab for all of the very best of MLEX's reporting and analysis, as well as our archive of special reports. And our subscribers have access to the full portfolio of our work on the GDPR in all its glory. So go ahead, take a walk down memory lane and revisit some of that previous coverage. We'll be back to our regular programming schedule from Friday, when we'll return to your feed wherever you get your podcasts at around the same time with all the latest from our team of intrepid reporters around the globe. But for now, it's up to me to sign us off and bid you farewell. If you enjoyed today's podcast, why not pass it along to another like-minded data privacy nerd? Rate and review us. It helps others find us. Today's programme was presented by me, Laurel Henning. It was produced and edited by the one and only James Paniki and magically appeared online thanks to the kind efforts of MLEX's London-based marketing team. From everyone here at MLEX and LexisNexis, thanks for your company. I'll see you soon. Bye for now. <laughs>